You don't know flag. You Don't Know Flat, a podcast full of stories about retro gaming, retro computing, video games, arcade games, and technology from a guy who was there and still is. My name is Rob O'Hara, but for the next 30 minutes, you can call me Flat. Episode 191, Bicycles. Greetings and salutations, listeners, and welcome to another episode of You Don't Know Flack. Today is October 9th, 2020, and I am your host, Rob Flack O'Hara. On today's episode of You Don't Know Flack, we will be talking about bicycles. But before we get started talking about my old bicycles, uh, I saved all my notes for this week's episode on my SX-64, my portable Commodore 64. And so while I retrieve those notes real quick-like, we'll have a few minutes to chat on this week's loading time. Loading time. Loading time. Loading time. Welcome back to another episode of You Don't Know Flat. Uh, this is an off week for Sprite Castle. As you know, I, uh, I alternate between the two shows. And so on this week on YouTube, on the Amigos Retro Gaming channel, I uploaded some footage of me playing Little Computer People which is an old Commodore 64 game. It was actually released for several different computers, but of course I played it on the handy-dandy Commodore 64. Little Computer People is a... It was kind of like a virtual pet. It was a simulation where Activision supposedly was just selling you a virtual house, and it would bring out the virtual person living inside your computer, the little computer person. My little computer person's name was Ogden. And so on this episode of Sprite Castle Plays, I played Little Computer People for a little while. So if you're not familiar, if you just want to watch me uh, or watch some footage of Little Computer People, you can go to YouTube and look for Sprite Castle Plays or just go to uh, youtube.com forward slash Amigos Retro Gaming and then look for the Sprite Castle Plays playlist. Um. I uh, finished my building my tables. I've talked about building my tables. That's been part of setting up my home office slash computer room. I bought white tabletops that came from Ikea. They were four foot by two foot and they were $9 each, which I thought was really inexpensive. And once I got them home, I found out why each one weighs about the same as a graham cracker. (laughs) I don't know how much weight each one will support. They're supposed to support like 200 pounds, but I'm not entirely sure how they're constructed, but I believe they are mostly hollow. And also I found out that the laminate on the top and bottom of, well, just the top, there's no laminate. Uh, no, there's laminate on the bottom. I take it back. Uh, but it's very thin. And so I recently began setting up some of my old retro computers to flesh out the room. And one of the first computers I pulled out was my old 486. It's a 486DX4100. It's the last 486 that I used, owned and used regularly. And apparently the bottom of the case has some sharp edges because I put it on the desktop, slid it around a little bit, and then I looked and there were big, huge gouges <laughs> that had gone all the way through the white laminate. And you could see the you know little thin wood below that. So that didn't take long. It only took a few days. And so I went to Amazon. Actually, I went to Google first and uh, found this product, and it's called Philstick, F-I-L-S-T-I-K. I'm not endorsing it. I'm just telling you what I bought. I bought a stick of it on Amazon for a little less than seven dollars, and and it says that it fills in scratches and makes them, uh, you know, makes them disappear. And so I ordered it, and I, the best way I would ex- I would explain it is it's a I would say an industrial white wax crown. <laughs> um, you take the the stick and you basically just grind it into the scratch and the wax rubs off of the stick and fills the hole and the 
white, uh, you know, matches the white of the table pretty closely. And I would say that the gouge, for the most part, disappeared. If you're looking for it, uh, you can see it. It looks almost, when you see it, it looks almost like a faint coffee ring stain from setting down a coffee mug on a white table. It's definitely, if you're not looking for it, I don't think you'd see it. So it's good enough for now, but I'll have to be more careful about these tabletops. I have them arranged kind of in two, I would say like a letter M, but really it's like two U's uh, side by side. And so on one side, I've got my main workstation, my work uh, workstation, my work laptop and, and external monitors and stuff. And then on the other side, I've started filling it up with retro computers. So I want to have one, uh, a Commodore setup. I want to have my Amiga setup. I've got my DOS machine. Uh, this weekend, I'm going to hook up my Apple II. I'm, I've been meaning to hook up my Apple II. It's been in storage for a while. I just pulled my, I had a Macintosh Classic uh, SE10, I think is what it is. And when I last used it, I put it in storage. It worked fine, and I just pulled it out. And it's the one that I talked about, about retro writing uh, a couple of episodes ago. And I hooked it up, and it just boots up now to a floppy disk with a question mark. And it used to boot up to an operating system. <laughs> and I can hear a hard drive spinning inside there, so I'm not sure what happened. Uh, it doesn't sound like the hard drive's locked up. I mean, I can hear it whirring away, but for some reason it's not booting up into an operating system anymore. So the thing is, I only bought that computer. I got it at a garage sale. I went to a garage sale uh, several years ago and uh, I was looking through Craigslist and I found a garage sale and, and at the end of the thing it said Atari 2600 and so, and I had several Atari 2600s, but you know once a collector, always a collector, right? And so I went to this garage sale and they had an Atari 2600 in the box along with a bunch of games and it was priced for $15. And I didn't have any Atari 2600s in the original box. And so when I picked it up, the the uh, lady at the garage sale said, hey, are you, do you like old computers? And I went, moi? <laughs> and so uh, she also had, she showed me this Macintosh Classic. And it was in a uh, this big padded carrying case, which I like. And it's, it's complete. It's a computer, the monitor, everything. And she said, I'll give you both for 20 so I paid 10 for the Atari and 10 for the Mac. So it's uh, very similar to the Mac I used in college that I learned PageMaker on to do newspaper layout and design. And so, uh, but I, I don't have a real nostalgic tie to it other than that. I like looking at it, but I, I just didn't do that much on it. You know, when I had it fired up, I played, it had Tetris and it had Dark Castle and I played those two games. Um, but that's pretty much all I did with it. And um, now it doesn't even boot. So I don't know what I'm going to do with that. I don't know if I'm going to try to, restore it or maybe um, pass it along to another collector who wants to restore it i just uh i haven't decided yet so but uh yeah i brought that in to set it up and then i just took it right back out <laughs> so but yeah i've uh, uh i have an apple II. i have a several apple II machines but i have a 2e uh one particular one that has my uh, cffa 3000 card which allows you to load apple disc images off of a usb stick right onto the Apple II and, and copy, uh, make original discs and things like that. And I, I really, I owe, uh, uh, somebody some Apple discs and I just haven't had time to get the computer set up. So I need to, that'll be this weekend for sure. So, uh, I do have a lot of, uh, Apple II discs. And the funny thing is, is that a lot of them have, uh, the people's names on it, you know, that I, that I got the discs from. And, uh, I, I'm looking at them right here, you know, I'm looking at the, uh, uh, the labels that have all these different people's names on it. People like, um, Gary Heather and, uh, Darren Folds and Tron Ryder Bow and Armanon Ristal, Olav Hope, David Hearn, John Schaller, Eric Stryanisi, Matt Nicholson, Dave Zilly, Steve Rasmussen, Patrick Markey, Chris Folds, Garrett Allier, Graham Wobke. Ah, Garrett, Graham, I'm so sorry if I'm saying that wrong. If I'm saying that wrong, please let me know. Uh, Rick Reynolds, Scott Lambert, John Morrison, Jake Nonamaker, and the mysterious Cobra Kai. Of course, those are not old people that I used to trade discs with. Those are my Patreon supporters. Those are all people that have signed up and are supporting this show. And so if you'd like to join them or support this show, go to patreon.com forward slash Rob O'Hara and find out more about 
the benefits and all the super secret club things we have going on. Uh, with that, it looks like the show notes have uh, finished loading. So uh, let me just wrap up the news here by saying, if you have any feedback about this or any episode of the show, you can always email me directly at Rob O'Hara at RobOHara.com. Join the conversation at Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Robcasts. Follow me on Twitter at Commodore. Or leave me a message on the podcast hotline at 405-486-YDKF. And with that, let's get started talking about bicycles. I was five years old when we moved into the house that I grew up in. There are a few pictures of me at the house before that. So these are pictures of me before I was five years old. There's a picture of me riding a skateboard in our driveway. I was about three years old, I think, in that picture. And there's some pictures uh, from before that. I'm probably two years old, riding a bicycle in our garage. And it's a, a very 70s looking bicycle. I mean, I was two years old. So this is mid 70s. This is probably 75, I'm guessing. Uh, it has little wheels and it has big giant monkey handlebars and a big banana seat and of course training wheels. You know I'm a little kid, but uh, um, but yeah, this uh, um, I so I had a bike. Of course, I, I think most kids have bikes, you know. But that wasn't my. Uh, I don't think I ever left our garage on that bicycle. In fact, the vehicle of choice of mine at the time was a Batmobile green machine. Now, you may be familiar with the green machine. It was a a three-wheeled vehicle that had one big wheel in the front, two in the back, and you rode around, you pedaled, and it had levers that you pushed and pulled to turn the rear wheels. And I had a green machine, except for mine was branded as an official Batman product. And so instead of being green and black, it was blue and yellow. And so I've posted those pictures on Twitter and, uh, it actually, I think the Batmobile or Batman version of the green machine was kind of rare. Um, but, uh, that, you know, so that's what I had. And I rode that more than I rode bicycles at, at that first house, you know, but it wasn't until we moved to Sun Valley, which, as I said, I moved, uh, the summer right before I turned five years old, uh, that I got uh, my first real bike. Now you have to, I got to paint this picture of Sun Valley. Sun Valley is a neighborhood that's shaped like a big rectangle. There are six blocks in Sun Valley. And the only, there are uh, two or three, I guess there are three entrances, but they're all on the south side of the neighborhood. So there are no exits on the east or the west or the north. So there are no through streets. So basically, traffic in Sun Valley is dead. Nobody is ever going through the neighborhood to get somewhere else. The only traffic is people coming home or or leaving home, you know. So uh, the cool thing about that when you're a kid is you can ride bikes. You can ride bikes on the street. Later later years, we rode motorcycles and go-karts and three-wheelers and everything else. Um, but it was a very low-traffic neighborhood. Now, there were no sidewalks in Sun Valley, but we just rode on the street all the time. It uh, just wasn't wasn't a big deal, you know? And so um, around that time when I was five, maybe for my fifth birthday, I got my first bicycle. And it was a, I think it was a Roadmaster brand, but I know that on the front there was a plastic sign that said Roadmaster and then it had the number 22. There was another sign in the middle of the bike, like, you know, between the, the bar that goes across and the, and the part that goes down towards the pedals that also had the number 22 and the whole bike was black. And then this, these were black plastic signs. And then the text was uh, orange and yellow roadmaster 22. Now my birthday is on the 22nd. And I remember thinking, uh, I don't know. I don't think anybody told me this. I think I just assumed this as a kid that that number was on there because that was my birthday. Like I had got this bike for my birthday and it said 22, which was my birth date. So um, I don't know if I thought every kid, every kid's bike had their birth date on it. <laughs> I don't know. I just remember thinking that it was special. Uh, and then later I found out, no, it was just a number, just a number that was on the bike. And it was just a, uh, 
just a little coincidence. But um, that was my first bike. It had um, not a, a banana seat. Like it wasn't curved and it didn't come to a point, but it was a long seat, a long, like a rectangular Lego, if you could imagine that. It was a long square seat. Um, again, it was all black. And um, I vaguely remember at some point having something that was shaped like a shark that made noise. I can't remember if it had a propeller on the front or not, but I know that it was gray and shaped like a shark, but maybe it was like the front of a jet airplane with shark fins or something. It's it's a real hazy memory. And I searched Google. I couldn't find what I was looking for. But for a while, I had this uh, mounted to my handlebars, but I, I don't think I had it on there forever. Plus, it would have gone right over the cool Roadmaster 22 side. <laughs> But that was my first bike. That was the bike I learned to ride on two wheels. I don't think it ever had um, training wheels. I think I just got on it and went, you know, around uh, around the age of five. And, and I don't remember when I got rid of that, but I do remember my second bike. And my second bike was black and gray uh, in color. And I remember the the bars that go from the front forks down to the pedals um on this bike it was curved it wasn't straight it was kind of curved it was definitely a BMX style bike and the the most identifying characteristic i guess of this bike was that it had mag wheels and everybody else in my neighborhood that had mag wheels their wheels were like plastic or maybe some space age material that made them really light. But it seemed like mine were made of solid iron. <laughs> My wheels were the heaviest wheels on any bike ever. So it was impossible to do wheelies. I mean, if you tried to do a wheelie, the front wheel would come up like one inch. It was just impossible. The front wheel was so heavy. Um, and, and so, you know, that's just the way it was, <laughs> you know, when you're a kid, you don't, you don't swap out wheels or whatever. You just get what you get. Right. Um, my neighbor had a ditch. Now, a lot of the, the houses in Sun Valley had, um, Sun Valley had some flooding problems. And so everybody had these deep ditches out in front of their house. And, and some were deeper than others, but most people had, um, like a tin horn that went underneath their uh, driveway. You know what I mean? So the water would flow underneath the driveway into the ditch. And so everybody's front yard had these ditches. And again, some were steeper than others. And my friend had one that was really steep. And so if you got speed coming down the street and then you veered off, you would go down his ditch and you would jump up uh, and then land, you know, in his yard. Right. And so I remember going down there one day and there were bigger kids uh, and every bigger kid, I don't want to say every big kid in my neighborhood was bullies, <laughs> which is not fair, but a lot of the older kids in my neighborhood would mess with the little kids, but I guess that's just what kids do, right? I mean, they weren't, they weren't mean spirited. Uh, sometimes they were, but, um, but I remember them telling me they were like, oh, the reason, you know, we can adjust your bike and we'll, and we'll make it better. And so I was like, okay. And what they did was they took the front nuts off of my front wheel uh, and then said, you know, okay, now try the jump. And so, of course, they're all standing there. And I come down the street. I'm like, jump, 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 pedal, jump, pedal, 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 pedal. And I go through the ditch. And I remember going up into the air just a little bit and seeing my front wheel just go sailing off. <laughs> and I came down and my front fork stuck into the grass and I went flying over the handlebars and everybody thought that was hilarious. And then one of the kids stole my wheel and wouldn't give it back. And I had to chase him around. I did eventually get my wheel. And, and um, it's funny that I don't remember putting the wheel back on. So someone else must have put the wheel uh, back on for me. But um, yeah, there was a lot of uh, ditch jumping in my neighborhood. Uh, you know, I'm still a pretty little kid. I mean, I was probably seven, eight when I had this bike, you know. Um, one of the things I remember us doing is we would get, um, 
metal cars. And I don't mean like little tiny Hot Wheels, but like big, uh, well, not giant, you know what I mean? But I mean, a, a metal truck or a car that was, I don't know, a foot long, maybe, you know, I'm looking here and measuring with my hands. Yeah, maybe a metal car, you know, and we would, um, I remember using a shoelace and we would tie a shoelace to the front bumper and we would ride our bikes around pulling these cars around, you know, and, um, don't really remember why. (laughs) I just remember that was, uh, uh, something we did. We rode around and we pulled these cars around. I also remember at that time we used to play mechanic. That was a big deal for us. And so my dad had uh, all these tools. He had wrenches and sockets and screwdrivers and stuff and an air compressor. And so uh, me and and, uh, some of the neighborhood kids, we would play garage, you know. And so I would um, be the mechanic and they would ride their bike over and I would give them tune-ups. So I would get like a socket wrench and the socket would be way too big for whatever I was adjusting, you know, but I would like slip it over a nut and then I would just hold it with my hand just to get that ratchet sound, you know, and, um, I would take a screwdriver and pretend like I was adjusting things. Like I never adjusted anything on anyone's bike. Um, I even remember turning on the, uh, the air compressor to pretend like I was putting air in people's tires. But, but again, you know, we didn't do any, uh, real maintenance. We were just, uh, pretending, you know, but that was a thing we did as little kids with our bikes was, uh, uh, played mechanic. For me, that bike was the beginning of transportation, uh, and freedom in my neighborhood. You know, I had a friend, uh, Andy Smith that lived at the other end of my street, which was probably a dozen houses away. And I would ride my bike down there. My, from my house, from my front door, you could see his front yard. And so my mom would say, all right, go on down there. And so we would just ride on down there. Um, most of, most of my friends lived on the, you know, same part of the block I did. And so I don't think we got too far away at that age, but, um, uh, but yeah, it was, uh, of course, and I probably referenced this multiple times throughout the show, but it was a different time where kids could just, uh, get on a bike and go pedal and, and go play with their friends, you know? And that was my heavy bike, uh, was, was the beginning of that. Now I'll tell you a sad story was, um, I grew up in Sun Valley because it was, uh, I mean, we were, I don't know, four or five miles outside of town, at least three miles outside of town. Uh, so it had a very rural kind of feel, you know what I mean? A lot of people for a long time, we didn't have a fence around our house. Um, we didn't have, uh, you know, I, I'm sure people locked their doors or whatever, but I, I don't, maybe not. I don't know. It was just that kind of place. It felt really safe. It felt really isolated from, uh, you know, the town, <laughs> which was 15 miles away from the city. <laughs> so it just kind of had this, this country kind of feel where things were safe. And so everybody at night, when we would come home, everybody would throw their bikes down in the front yard and that's where they stayed. Uh, nobody locked them up. Nobody put them in their garage. We all just threw our bikes in the front yard and that was it. I mean, sometimes you put it up by the front door, but, uh, you know, that, that's just kind of how it was. And then was the day of the great bike thefts. And, um, everybody in my neighborhood had their bike stolen in the same day. And someone had come through with a pickup truck or a trailer or something and driven through the neighborhood uh, through the very early hours and just stolen everybody's bikes, just one by one. Now, they didn't steal my bike, <laughs> which is kind of a blessing, but also kind of embarrassing. And what we actually figured out was my dad, when he used to wake up in the morning, and he got up real early, he'd get up like 5.30, 5.45 every day, he would go turn on the front light and then he would uh, like the the front porch light and then he would go get his robe and his slippers and he would go out and get the morning newspaper. Uh, by six o'clock every morning, he had the paper. And so when he went out that day, my bike was laying at the very end of our driveway. And I remember him saying something like, hey, don't leave your bike out there by the end of the driveway. And I was like, I didn't leave my bike out there. 
And kind of what we put together was that when either when he turned on that light or when he opened the door to go get the paper, somebody had, was wheeling my bicycle out to steal it and then just dropped it and ran off. Uh, but that's not what all the other kids said. All the other kids said was that my bike sucks so bad that the people wouldn't steal it. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's uh, that's the story of my life, that um, the kids in my neighborhood made fun of me even though I was the only one with a bike. <laughs> You'd think I'd make fun of all them, but no. Uh, they made fun of me. So I don't, uh, remember when it's, it's funny on a lot of these, I don't remember, uh, why I got rid of them or when I got rid or, or when I upgraded, you know, but, uh, I did, I moved on to my third bike, which I would say was a little bit more of, uh, a BMX style bike. Uh, it had, uh, it was black and gold, black and gold. Uh, so the handlebars were gold and the sprocket and the pedals were gold, and uh, it had really cool gold spoke rims. Uh, so they were they were spokes, not mags. Uh, and everything else on the bike was black. So that was uh, my black and gold bike. And of course, this is like the time you know, like I'm probably ten, ten maybe at this age, like third grade. Now it's like I'm starting to get some freedom. You know, I'm starting to. Um, venture away from the house. This is the bike that I definitely remember playing trials. I don't know if you ever played trials, uh, but trials was a game where it was, it was basically follow the leader, you know? And so, uh, you know, we, somebody would say, Hey, let's play trials. And there would be three or four of us on our bikes and we would go and, you know, somebody would do a bunny hop and then everybody had to do a bunny hop. And if you didn't do it, you had to go to the end of the line. So you only got to the front of the line to be the leader after everybody else had messed up, you know, but we would ride around and we'd ride real slow to see if anybody fell over and, you you know, we'd jump ditches and, and, uh, you know, bunny hop over newspapers or whatever. But, but, uh, I definitely, we, we definitely played a lot of trials. Um, we also built a lot of ramps. I was just thinking about this right before I hit record. I thought, you know, right now, uh, as an, a grown adult, if I needed some bricks and, and wood, I would have to go to Home Depot or Lowe's or some, some store. Like, I don't just have a, a stash of bricks laying around anywhere. Um, but as kids, we seem to always have bricks. <laughs> I don't know where they came from. But we always had access to bricks for some reason. Uh, and we would build these ramps where we would get some shoddy piece of wood and stack up a few bricks, you know, and... Um, uh, and just go down the street barreling and hit these ramps. And half the time, the, the bricks would go sprawling out, you know, and you'd go falling off. I remember one time uh, I built this ramp out of bricks and wood, and I put it by my driveway. And the end of our driveway had this drop-off that was kind of steep. And so my dad had had uh, gravel brought in. And so I was, I jumped and I wiped out and I went down and I landed on my forearms and my, and my elbows and just slid across that gravel. And it just, I mean, it was like, you know, taking a sander <laughs> to my arms. My arms were just like a cheese grater and it, it slid down them. They were just, you know, total all open and stuff. It was, it was not good. That was not, not a, uh, not a great place for, uh, for the old ramp, you know? Um, but another thing that we did on our bikes, and this was definitely when I had old uh, black and gold was we began riding the Creek. Now I've talked about the Creek that ran behind my house and, uh, and beside my house, it bordered Sun Valley on two of the four sides. And it was a, a big Creek that was uh, U-shaped, right? And, um, I don't know how deep it was eight foot down, maybe, and then there was a, you know, depending on where you were, there would, would be different, uh, you know, widths and then eight foot back up the other side. And, uh, there was a, a part of the Creek by my house where someone took a shovel and kind of smoothed the path all the way down and then on the bottom and all the way up. And I don't know who the brave kid was the first one to try it, but somebody rode the Creek. Um, and, uh, so they, they coasted down. I don't, I, I know you had to pedal because you would not make it up the other side, but I don't remember if you pedaled on the way down or in the, the flat part at the bottom. There wasn't much flat part. 
but uh, you had to pedal or you would not make it up the other side. And I watched kids who didn't make it up the other side. And you would, I mean, there was nothing to hold on to. You'd try to, to hop off your bike or put your foot down, but you would just come sliding down and go crashing down to the bottom. So uh, it was terrifying. It was the scariest thing to ride the creek. And I'm, I mean, the big kids would go and they would egg you on, come on, do it, do it, do it, you know. And I did it many times, you know. I don't remember ever wiping out really bad. Uh, I do remember a couple times where you'd go down and then on the way up, if you saw that you were slowing down, you would just jump off and try to make it to the top, you know. Um, but we would do that all the time. There was a second area that was even bigger uh, part of the creek that we used to do it. And, um, you know, we would go do that. And then there was this kid, uh, another kid named Andy. You know, I realized that there were, in my neighborhood, there were three kids uh, named Andy. And now, like, I don't think any of the kids in, in my kids' classes are named Andy or Andrew. I think, I don't know if that's a dated name or not. But uh, uh, there was a kid named Andy. And uh, he went down on, you know, the creek. I mean, he rode down. And when he got to the bottom, his handlebars weren't tight enough and his handlebars just came loose and went straight forward. And so when he hit the other side, it just flipped him off and he just went face first right into that thing. And it, I mean, his whole nose was like scraped, like his whole face, it almost looked like a burn. I remember seeing him on the next day on the bus and then everybody's parents were like, what are y'all doing? <laughs> like the parents kind of put it into it. They were like, no more of that. Don't be riding your bikes up and down the creek. That is dangerous. And it was dangerous. But we were kids, and that's what we did, right? We went and did stupid, dangerous stuff, you know. Um, I rode that bike to school one time. I remember uh, the other kids in my neighborhood were like, hey, we're going to ride our bikes to school. And uh, I was like, okay. And I asked my mom, and she said, sure. Uh, I, I got to paint this picture. To uh, to ride my bike to school, the very first thing is you had to ride the creek. I mean, there wasn't any – you couldn't go all the way around to get out of the neighborhood. So you, you had to, to do the thing I was just talking about. You had to go down and up the other side. Uh, and that led to a road uh, where it was Sarah Road where the speed limit was 45 miles an hour. And there was no shoulder. It was just a two-lane road where cars would come hurling down at 45 miles an hour. So we had to ride our bikes down Sarah Road for a mile until we got to 23rd Street. Then we had to take 23rd Street for a mile into uh, Yukon towards the school. 23rd Street was a dirt road and it had like it was a, wasn't like a good dirt road. It was like dirt and gravel and big rocks. And so we had to ride your bike all, you know all the way there and then you got to paved roads. And around that time is where there were sidewalks. And then you could ride the last mile on a sidewalk. So I only did that once. I was like, this is crap. Like, I would rather ride the bus. I don't want to ride. It's lit. I looked on Google Maps. It's about three and a half miles. Uh, and again, one mile of it is, is on a two-lane highway <laughs> with no shoulder. And one mile of it is on a dirt and gravel road. So no thanks. I was uh, more than happy to just take the bus. Uh, I, you know... <laughs> not for me. Um, uh, I, I was more than happy to ride my bike around Sun Valley, but I didn't need to go on uh, adventures like that. Although, uh, on 23rd street on that dirt road, there was a fishing pond. Now, I was not a big fisher, uh, as a kid, but uh, some of my neighborhood, uh, friends were. And once or twice, I remember we rode our bikes all the way down Sarah road. So we took the mile down Sarah road and then probably half a mile over, on 23rd while we were carrying uh, fishing poles, you know, and, and some of the kids had like their minnow bucket or their little tackle boxes or whatever. And then we would just go out there and there were some trees and we'd sit under the trees and fish and, and, uh, and do that. And uh, of course, all these trips, it turns out you got to come home too. So we'd sit out there all day until we retired and then have to ride our bikes, you know, one and a half, two miles back home, which was not nearly as much fun. Um, so, so old black and gold bike, uh, was the, the dirt bike that I had, you know, probably for the longest. And, uh, but I started wanting a new bike and my parents bought me a new bike, but didn't get rid 
of old black and gold. They just put it in the garage, put it away for storage. And I, I never quite knew why. I didn't find out for uh, about about 20-something years, I guess. Um, but I got that replaced with a 10-speed bike. Now, uh, I think of 10-speed bikes as being, you know, really practical for navigating the city or long distance things. I was just riding around Sun Valley. So I, I don't really remember why I wanted a 10 speed. And I'm positive that none of my other friends had 10 speed bikes. Like we were definitely a jump your bike, build ramps, ride the Creek kind of kids, you know? So I don't know why I wanted a 10 speed, except for that. I was a weirdo. And <laughs> I, I remember that I picked this bike out at Toys R Us, and uh, there were two different ones. One was a really dark navy blue, which I really liked, and that's I told my parents that I wanted the blue 10-speed, but they got the other one, which is this really light um, baby blue, like a powder blue, um, which was not not great, you know, Um uh, but I, I wrote it, you know, and, and so I went back and forth, riding back and forth, uh, both bikes. Like when my friends were going and doing, uh, BMX bikes, I would, I would ride black and gold. And sometimes when I was just by myself or doing something, I would ride, uh, the 10 speed. Uh, you know, I just remember one other story about old <laughs> black and gold was, um, uh, and, and this is going to play into a story here in a minute, but, uh, at some point, I, I bent uh, the sprocket somehow. And so if you really pedaled hard, like if you stood up and really tried to pedal, and, and I eventually got this fixed, but uh, but if at that time, if you tried to pedal hard, sometimes the chain would come off. And so there was this girl in third grade, I think, maybe fourth grade, but around that time, that I had the biggest crush on. She had these big blue eyes. It was like my first crush, you know. And that summer, between third and fourth grade, she moved to my neighborhood. So um, I would write, and, and all she lived almost in the far exact opposite corner of the neighborhood that I did. So uh, to get to her house was half a mile away. So uh, the whole lap all the way around Sun Valley was basically one mile. So, uh, I would ride my bike down to her house and then, um, uh, I would pretend like something had gone wrong with my bike. And unfortunately in my back pocket, I had brought a ratchet and a wrench that went to nothing. And so I would get around in front of her house and then I'd be like, I'd put on this act and be like, Oh, throw my hands up. Oh, something's wrong with the bike. And I remember I would, um, turn the bike upside down because of course that's what a good mechanic would do. Right. And then I would get these tools out and I would like, I remember using the open end of a wrench around, um, not the pedal, but like the, the little metal bar that, that goes down between the pedal and the sprocket. Like, I mean, a part that would definitely not turn and just using the wrench and be like, doop, 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 doop. <laughs> I'm repairing something here. And then I would use a fake screwdriver and be like, nom, 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 making some adjustments here, you know, to my awesome bike. And, uh, you know, I'd put my chain back on and, and, uh, give everything a thorough look over. And I have no idea why I was doing that. I guess I was hoping that she would come out and see me and think that I was a master bicycle mechanic. Like, is that what third grade girls are really into? Like, well, you know, I was on the fence about that guy, but he sure knows how to use a fake wrench. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, I, I don't, uh, I don't know what I, what was in my head. I don't know what I was thinking. I, I guess I was hoping she would see me or she would come out. But if she ever did see me, she never did come out. Um, but that didn't stop me from doing this. I'm sure if they did see me, they would have thought, well, there's there's the uh, world's unluckiest boy with the worst bicycle because it breaks down every time he comes by our house. Um, so um, anyway, uh, back to uh, the 10 speed, you know, so I got this uh, baby blue 10 speed. And I would just ride it around the neighborhood. I would just do laps. And I remember one time I just decided I was going to spend the entire day doing laps around my neighborhood. I have no idea why I was going to do this. This was probably fifth or maybe sixth grade. I even packed a lunch 
like I made a little sack and I had a couple sandwiches in it. And that's what I was going to do. I was just going to ride around the neighborhood all day. And around the fifth or sixth lap, uh, I developed a cramp. And I don't know that I'd ever had a cramp before, or if I had, I'd never had one like that. It caused me to almost crash. I <laughs> had to pull over. I laid on the ground crying and holding my leg. Uh, and then I had to put the 10-speed in first gear eventually and pedal home with one foot <laughs> while I left my other foot hanging down uh, because I didn't want it to cramp up again. And that was... Um, uh, the last day that I ever, I ever tried that. Now I will tell you one other, uh, and there's a couple other stories about that 10 speed, but I'll tell you one. Uh, and I always think about this story when we go into fall and the weather starts getting cool. It's, it's a way I, I described, uh, the weather to a friend the other day where it's a type of weather where when you're in the house, you look outside and you think it's a warm day and then you step outside and you realize it's a little chilly, even though the sky is still blue. It looks like summer from inside, but when you step out, you just have that kind of crisp breeze that, that uh, you know, just cools everything off, you know, and it, you're like, ah, oh, I bet it's in the 80s. And you walk out and you go, ooh, it's the high 60s, you know. And um, it was one of those type of days where the the leaves had just, you know, kind of started falling off all the all the trees. My neighborhood was full of big giant trees, you know. And I went for this ride on my 10-speed, and I don't remember why. I wasn't going anywhere. Sometimes I would just go ride. I would just go ride my bike, you know. And I told you that most of the houses or a lot of the houses in, in my neighborhood had those big ditches, you know. And um, I rode by this house. And all the leaves from this giant tree had fallen into this ditch. And this ditch was, uh, you know, deeper than a lot of, of front yard ditches. And I remember looking at it and thinking, that looks like such a comfortable chair. Um, it was almost like, uh, I guess they call them an anirondack. I don't know if I'm saying anirondack chairs. I don't know if I'm saying that right. But, um, you know, those chairs where you... You kind of lean back at an angle and, and then your legs are, they don't quite come up, but you know what I mean? Uh, I just look like I could sit in the ditch and it would be that shape, you know, like my body would kind of be in a V, like my legs would be up and, and, um, but I'd still be upright, you know? And I remember parking my 10 speed and walking over to that ditch and there's all those leaves and I just kind of sat down in those leaves and, and, um, got comfortable and, and it was at just the perfect angle where if you looked up, you could see the clouds going over. And it's just such a special memory to me, even though there's there's no deep meaning to it. You know, there's no, uh, I didn't have any revelations and there was no purpose in doing it. But it was just this moment where, I don't know, I just found this one little place out, out in the middle of, you know, where there's nobody around. And um, just had this little moment to myself. And I, I always think about that. Whenever I see uh, the leaves are falling, I'll go through a neighborhood and I'll see a pile of leaves. And I never quite see the same kind of ditch. You know, I never see a place where I go, oh, that's just like that. I can never, never find that little moment from my childhood. Again, I don't know. It's hard to explain. But it was, uh, it made such an impression on me for for uh, an event where nothing really happened, you know, I think about it. I think about it a lot. Um, the other memory I have of that 10 speed was, uh, my buddy, Jeff, who I think has been mentioned on every single episode of, you don't know, flag, <laughs> um, used to come over and spend the night, you know, and this was, I met Jeff in seventh grade. So this was probably seventh or eighth grade. And uh, they opened, uh, there were multiple arcades in my town in Yukon. They were opening arcades left and right, which is crazy. Um, uh, now, today, my town of Yukon, Oklahoma, has a population of around 30,000 people. But back then, it was closer to 20,000. It was not uh, a big town, necessarily. 
And we had the arcade at the bowling alley. We had the arcade at the skating rink, which those are, you know, I call those co-located arcades. But then there was a, an a, uh, arcade like kind of near the bowling alley. And then there was an arcade that was called Starbucks um, before the, the coffee chain. It was named after um, Starbucks from uh, uh, Battlestar Galactica. And then they opened another arcade. In, and this is all in the same town. My town is three miles by five miles, you know. And um, uh, Jeff and I decided we were going to ride bicycles to go to this arcade. So this would have been even past where my school was. So this is probably a four-mile bicycle ride, you know. Uh, but we were kids. We had nothing to do. And um, at some point between or before this story, I broke the gear shift on my 10 speed that took it from low to high gear. So if you can imagine having 10 speeds, right? Speeds one through five didn't work. Only speeds six through 10 work. So it was really difficult to get started riding this bike. You know, you're starting in sixth gear. Um, And then I had my black and gold BMX bike that had the bent sprocket where the chain would fall off. So these are the two bikes we took on this trip. Um, you know, a bike that uh, the chain fell off and a bike that was stuck basically in sixth gear or higher. And so um, the two of us are riding, you know, and of course we go down Sarah Road and then we take, uh, you know, a 10 speed down this gravel road for a mile, which was miserable. And now we're going through Yukon. And as um, we get close to the arcade we're on a sidewalk and we're kind of going up this hill and uh i think i'm on the 10 speed and jeff is on the the black bike but i'm going up the hill and i just can't do it because the gears are so high you know so i hop off the bike and i'm walking so jeff is further ahead of me he's i don't know 20 30 foot ahead of me so he's significantly ahead of me we're not close he's he's There's definitely a gap between the two of us. And as he gets to the top of the hill, there's a man up there who was um, taking care of his lawn, and he was weed-eating. He was wearing headphones and facing away from us. And so Jeff walked up behind him. Now, we were on a sidewalk. We were not harassing this guy. Jeff walks up behind him on the sidewalk, and when the guy turned around, he got spooked. And didn't expect somebody to see there. And his reflex was to weed eat Jeff's leg. <laughs> he just goes, burn like that. <laughs> and then I hear Jeff yell. And then I'm like going up there. And then the guy walks away. And I'm like, what happened? He goes, that guy just weed eated me. And I was like, what? And I looked at his leg. And there was like big giant red whelps on his leg, you know. And, um, you know, this is 1986. 1987, and so the repercussions were nothing. We just walked away. We were like, well, that was weird. I wish that guy hadn't weed-eated you. <laughs> like, now I think that's a lawsuit. I think now you go home and you tell your parents, hey, some crazy guy weed-eated my leg, uh, and I think the police get involved, but not in the 80s, man. That's not how stuff worked. You just got weed-eated by a stranger, <laughs> and you kept on going, and we did. We kept on going down to the arcade. We had a uh, a really, really great uh, time down there. So around this time, I mean, I'm going to say this is 86-ish, again, 87. You know, I was um, had my 10 speed. I remember I was uh, at home this one day. I, I remember this day, plain as day, man. I had my 10 speed. I was getting ready to go for a ride, and I walked it, I and I did, uh, you know, after the, the great bike theft of Sun Valley, uh, we did keep our bikes in the garage. And so I was walking out, and I see these two kids riding in front of my house. Um, when I say riding, one of them is standing up on top of the bike. He is standing, his left foot is on the back seat, his right foot is on the handlebars. Uh, and he is riding the bike like that. The other kid is just doing a wheelie. And then at some point they stop and they start doing some tricks. I had never seen BMX freestyling in person before. Um, I remember one of the guys, one bike was, I don't remember. Like I know, I want to say one was purple and the other one was green, but the green one might've been orange. I don't know, but they were both colors. 
I had never seen before. You know, I mean, not not on bikes. All of our bikes were black. My 10-speed was uh, blue. And most of my friends' bikes were either black or silver, you know. Except for Andy, a different Andy uh, had a... Um, you remember those BMX bikes that it was blue and yellow? It was all blue and it had yellow mags and stuff. And then the tires were actually blue. God, that was a cool, that was a cool bike. I like that. But um, for the most part, you know, bikes were like, you know, dark color. They were silver or black or whatever. And here are these guys with purple and orange and green bikes doing wheelies and stuff. And uh, they were like friends of someone else that lived in my neighborhood, but I, I had made a huge impression on me. I was like, what is that? Um, and this would have been right around the time that the movie rad came out, you know, which of course was not, um, really about freestyle. It was more like BMX racing, but there was freestyle bike tricks at the beginning and end of the movie. Um, and yeah, that was, uh, uh, my introduction to that, you know, I never learned how to do any of that stuff. I never had a bike with pegs on it. I never learned any of those tricks. The only trick I could ever do was, um, I could sit on my bike backwards. Like I would sit on the handlebars facing backwards and, um, pedal and ride the bike backwards. And I could, I used to ride all around my neighborhood like that. Like I just, um, uh, once you figure out how to turn, it, it's not that hard to do. And, uh, I used to do that all the time. Um, so anyway, you know, I had this, uh, 10 speed that the gear was broken and then I had the, the black and gold that the sprocket was bent, you know, that eventually kind of got retired. And, um, I was almost out of my bike phase, not quite, but almost out of it. When my dad said that one of his coworkers, uh, his coworker's son was selling his bike and he wanted me to come take a look at it. So I went with him to go look at this bike and it was the coolest bike I had ever seen. First of all, it was, I want to say it was a mongoose, but it was a racing bike. Uh, I think one of the wheels, like the actual tire was red. It was like, you know, of course it, it, you were really cool if you had handbrakes and, and you could freewheel, you know, pedal backwards and stuff. Uh, it, it you know, it made that sound whenever you would coast, uh, man, it was a cool bike. And I want to say that they sold it to us for like 40 or $50, which was a lot of money back then, especially for a kid that's 13, 14 and, and maybe not going to be riding a bicycle that much longer. But, um, uh, but my dad bought it for me. And, um, so that, that became my bike and man, uh, I don't, this is, this is, uh, sounds weird to say, but I feel like it was more bike than I deserved. Like I couldn't do tricks. I wasn't going to race bikes. And this was a really high end bicycle. You know, this bike was probably worth a couple hundred bucks, you know? And, um, uh, again, our neighborhood was, I mean, we probably had a chain link fence by this point, but you know, no, we didn't always lock up our bikes. We didn't, you know, we went to someone's house. Everybody just threw their bikes in the front yard. That was just, that was just what we did, you know? And, um, I, I started getting into skateboarding at this same time. And I met this guy at school that was a little sketchy. Um, I want to say like, you know, it's probably, I don't know. I feel bad for calling myself a poser, but there were a lot of things that I wore, uh, you know, like skate shoes, even when I wasn't skating or, you know, I started wearing OP shirts and things like that. And, and um, uh, you know, because I just thought that look was cool, but this was one of those guys that kind of dressed like a thug. And I think he kind of was a thug. And I remember meeting his older brother one time and his older brother was definitely a thug that all of us were afraid of. And, uh, anyway, I, I hung out with this guy for a little bit, you know, and, uh, we would go over to go by his house and go skateboard. He would have a, uh, you know, he had like a real launch ramp, you know, and we would, uh, try to do tricks and stuff. And he had this group of friends that were just a little bit rougher than my friends, you know? So, uh, anyway, I, and he knew a, a couple of people in my neighborhood too, and not really kids that were friends of mine. Uh, and so one day 
And this would have been, you know, I was probably, I was definitely 14 because I was riding my motorcycle. I had my motorcycle's license by then. And this kid came riding by with a friend of his. They rode right by my house. And he goes, hey, man, how's your bike? And I go, oh, it's fine. I mean, because I had my motorcycle in the driveway and I didn't think anything about it, you know. But that night... You know, I, I I went to go get my skateboard. It was my skateboard was in the uh, front yard, and I picked up my skateboard, and I went to look for my bicycle, and my bicycle was gone. And um, you know, you kind of backtrack a little bit. You're like, no, I remember I I rode here. I came home. It was in the front yard, you know. And then, like the that kid's words came back to me. He was like, "Hey, man, how's your bike?" And I knew instantly that that kid had stolen my bike, you know, uh, or knew where it was. And so, uh, I called his house that night. I was like, Hey man, you know, where, where's my bike? And he was like, I don't know what you're talking about, you know? And I was like, well, you said, Hey, how's your bike? And he goes, well, I was talking about your motorcycle. Um, which is not, it didn't really fit what had happened, you know? And uh, I told my my parents about it. And so we ended up calling his parents. And his parents, you know, were, I don't know, the apple probably didn't fall far from the tree. And his parents just said, well, he said he doesn't know anything about it. And so that it just got dropped. I mean, it was a, uh, um, that was it, you know, my bike was gone. And that was the coolest, like I said, the most awesome bike uh, like an actual professional racing grade bike, you know, and, um, just got stolen. And, um, I don't, I think it would have torn me up more if I'd have been a year or two younger, but like I said, I was 14, probably close to 15 at that point. Um, I was really into skateboarding and when I went places, I rode my motorcycle, you know, when I, I was going driving to Jeff's house and in Oklahoma, you get your your driver's license. You can get a motorcycle driver's license when you're 14, and so I had a motorcycle's license. I could go ride around town on a motorcycle, and when I did, I often took my skateboard. I had a little bag that I would throw on the back that held my skateboard, and uh, you know I would go places. So I wasn't really riding a bike that much, but it always just like I don't like the way that ended. You know what I mean? Like I wanted, I wanted there to be a better ending to that, other than somebody said I, you know made a comment about stealing a bike or whatever. Hey man, how's your bike? And then having it, um, you know, never be seen again that same day. So that always kind of bums me out uh, when I think about that. <clears throat> now, um, in, um, I, I graduated high school in 1991 and in 1993, I moved to Weatherford, Oklahoma, which is about an hour away. And I moved in with, uh, Susan, who I married a couple of years after that. Uh, and we had a, uh, agreement at that time. Her, uh, her dad had, uh, just passed away a few months earlier and her mom had got a pretty sizable, um, insurance payment, insurance policy paid out. And, uh, she bought a three bedroom mobile home and she had moved it down to Weatherford. And, um, so basically I was renting one of the bedrooms. I rented the master bedroom and then Susan and a a third friend of ours, uh, rented the third, uh, a friend of Susan's rented the, uh, uh, third bedroom. So the girls were at one end of the the trailer and they shared a, a bathroom. And then I was at the other end in the master and I had my own bathroom. And, um, uh, Susan's mom had given her a debit card. And this debit card was only to be used in emergencies. Um, but what we knew was uh, essentially that there was so much money in this bank account that nobody would miss it if we made a few charges, you know. Um, but at that time, you could take out, I want to say, $200 a day out of an ATM. That was the max amount that we could take out. So there was one time where we had taken some money out of the ATM, and uh, Susan's mom went to take money out of the ATM and it wouldn't let her because we had taken out, you know, $200 and it wouldn't let her. And so she got onto it. She was like, hey, I said that's for emergencies. Um, and so instead what we figured out is that what we could do was just go to the ATM at like 11.50 p.m., you know, 
and uh, and then take out, figure out how much we could take out because it reset at midnight, you know, so we would never get caught. <laughs> and so once we figured that out, we just started uh, the spinning spree, right? Like we would get cash out and I would buy you CDs. That was when, um, uh, you know, thrift stores, uh, uh, not thrift stores, but uh, pawn shops started having um, you CDs for you know, five bucks or whatever. And I would go load up on CDs and, and we would go out and eat. Cause we, we always just had cash all of a sudden, you know, uh, cause we were, you know, pilfering it from this account. And Susan at one point said, Hey, we should get bicycles. You know, there's a Walmart in town in Weatherford. We should go buy bicycles. And I was like, yes, we will totally get bicycles. And so we went to Walmart and, um, uh, we bought these bicycles. They were like mountain bike style bikes, but they had gears, you know, you know, the kind I'm talking about. And they were, um, the best ones that Walmart sold in 1993. So I'm sure they weren't great, but uh, they were pretty good. Uh, the biggest problem we had was that we didn't have any way to get them home. I think we had to, um, I don't even remember. I don't remember how we got them home. Uh, I think we, one at a time, we, Went and got my Festiva and took the seats out or something and and, and <laughs> got these bikes back uh, to the trailer. Um, but I remember around Christmas time, uh, Susan's mom came to visit and we started panicking because we were like, we got to hide all this stuff because she's going to know we've been buying things and she thinks we're broke. And one of the things was the bicycles. And so we brought the bicycles in the house and we hid them in my bathtub, in the master bath, and we put a shower curtain in, and hid the bicycles. And so we were pretty sure that when she came to visit, she was not going to A, use my bathroom, and B, look in the shower. And she didn't uh, do either of those things. So we we pulled it off. But <laughs> but uh, I remember, yeah, having those bikes. And the thing was, we lived in this trailer park. There wasn't really that many places to ride a bike, you know? So I don't know why we wanted bikes, Um but uh, we got them. We just never rode them. And so um, a few years later, we moved to Spokane, Washington. You know, I, we got, um, uh, you know, I don't want to say real jobs, but we got better jobs. And um, there was a job opportunity in Spokane, Washington. And so uh, 1996, the summer of uh, 96, I moved to, to Spokane and uh we, you know, we moved up there and we took all our stuff and we took those bikes and uh, we moved to an apartment complex that was just this super hilly apartment complex. I and mean, there's literally nowhere to ride bikes there. And we put these bikes on our back porch of the apartment. You know, we just had them leaning up against the back door because we didn't have anywhere to put them, you know. And we didn't ride them a single time we lived in Spokane. And, uh, you know, it started snowing. They had this thing in Spokane. They call it six month snow. Uh, it was snowing by definitely by um, Halloween. It was definitely snowing in October for sure. And the same snow would be there in April. I mean, it just stayed, there was snow on the ground for six months. Um, and so we had put uh, those bicycles on the back porch. And I remember on Christmas morning, we went out there and uh, we opened the blinds. And, uh, I was like, you know, when, when you see something that's, that's different, but, but your brain can't really put it together. And, uh, we looked out there for a minute and, um, the bikes were gone. And when we looked, there was a set of footprints that walked up to our back porch. And then when it went away, it was footprints. And then there were, you know, bike lines, <laughs> like where someone had rolled the bikes away. Um, and so that was our Christmas morning is that we woke up and found that someone had, uh, had stolen our bikes. And, uh, again, it was the same thing. There was no, you can call the police. We were just like, oh, well, I mean, really it was a pain to move the bikes up there and we didn't, and we never rode them. So I, I don't think we were too disappointed. They were gone, but it was, um, it's also a weird feeling when people steal things and you know, like you could have been sitting on the other side of that wall. Like you could have been a foot away from the person that was stealing your stuff at that time. So I don't know that that was um, that was kind of a weird experience. But I guess the other thing about that experience is that um, those were the last bicycles uh, that we owned. I never bought another bicycle. Um, of course, uh, uh, my son was born in two thousand one, and uh, we bought him bicycles uh, 
And I don't know that he ever really rode them. You know, our kids, it sounds cliche to say it's a different time, but our kids were not really friends with other kids in our neighborhood. They were friends with kids uh, from their school and, and um, a lot of them didn't live near us. So when they would go do things, we would drive them to their house. They didn't go ride bikes and, and they didn't ride bikes around our neighborhood. Uh, and so I, maybe it's a different time and maybe we're different than my parents were, than my wife's parents were, but we, you know, never really let the kids just go off and wander. And now I wonder, um, you know, are they going to have the same kind of memories that I have in my childhood of, of being free and riding a bike and riding my bike three or four miles in a town. My kids never did that. You know, um, you know, when I think about my kids, um, and having things to ride, um, they both had hoverboards. <laughs> they would go out and ride those hoverboard things, you know? Um, and, um, uh, my son, you know, he's, he's had a couple of cars now and, uh, my daughter's going to next year or, you know, pretty soon she'll be getting her, her permit and she'll be going to get cars. So I think our, um, bicycle days are behind us. And, um, I don't know. I, I, love all those memories of having a bike as a kid. I love the, the freedom that it afforded us. And I, and I loved all those games that we played and all the tricks that we tried and jumping them. And, and I just have such good memories of all that stuff, but, uh, it's not something that I want to do today. I'm, I'm not going to buy a, a bike tomorrow and go do that. And, um, I don't know. I, it's just a, a part of uh, my past and my childhood, but, uh, probably won't be a part of my future. say about bicycles so i will uh, wrap up this episode by saying if you have feedback about this or any episode of you don't know flag you can email me directly at rob o'hara robohara.com join the conversation on facebook at facebook.com forward slash rodcast follow me on twitter at commodore or leave me a message on the podcast hotline at 405-486-YDKF if you have memories about your old bicycles, feel free to tweet them to me or email them to me, and uh, I'll try to include some of them on next week's show. But that's it for this week, so I will talk to you guys next week. Hope everybody uh, is safe and has a good week. <laughs>